Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of As Yet Unexplained Series 2. In this series we will be looking at some of the stories behind some of the most famous mysterious tales of the strange, paranormal and unexplained. In tonight's episode we will be looking at some of the ancient stories of UFO sightings and alien encounters throughout the centuries. Are they all genuine or are there more rational explanations? If you like what you hear, please consider liking, subscribing or even writing a review on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Whether you believe in UFOs as a natural phenomenon, experimental aircraft or intelligently controlled vessels from another world or not, you cannot deny that their presence have been around for a long time. For centuries, UFOs and aliens have been appearing in paintings, cave paintings, written historical texts, tapestries and many other forms of human communication. Many theories have been put forward to try and explain some of the ancient UFO incidents. Some can be found in Carl Jung's 1958 book Flying Saucers, a modern myth of things seen in the skies. Jung proposed the idea that the Nuremberg event, which we'll be hearing about later, was likely a natural phenomenon with religious and military interpretations overlaying it. This has become a staple explanation and or excuse for a lot of modern phenomena with the new and improved revised name of group hysteria, so that everyone is included and not just the believers in a god. Are the visions of craft chariots and great fires merely the glorified interpretations of natural phenomena, like comets and atmospheric distortions. Unfortunately, we can only refer to the physical evidence that survives, and this evidence, like all evidence, is tainted by the writer's tastes and preferences. For some of these observers, religion was the go-to explanation for things they simply did not have the capacity to understand. We can therefore understand that they thought it to be a deity paying them a visit. Today we can look at these stories with fresh eyes and the collective knowledge of the human race and draw similarities with modern day events. This subject is so vast that we cannot possibly expect to do it justice in just one episode. So here we present six accounts of UFO encounters from the past and the stories that surround them. The Tully Papyrus The Tully Papyrus was a document that was in the possession of Alberto Tully, who was the director of the Vatican's Egyptian Museum. When Tully died, the document was revealed to be part of his collection of papers and has since disappeared. The claim originated in a 1953 article published in the Fortune Society magazine. The article was written by Tiffany Thayer, who stated that the transcription was sent to her by Boris de Rachelwiltz, who had supposedly found the original transcription of the papyrus among papers left by Alberto Tully. Tully and his brother, a Vatican priest, allegedly discovered the papyrus in an antique shop during their visit to Cairo in 1934. 
Tully thought that the papyrus was way too expensive to buy it, so instead he made a copy of the original piece, which was then recopied, replacing the original hieratic script with hieroglyphs. The text makes references to circles of fire, or what could be interpreted as fiery disks, which have for many years piqued the interest of UFO researchers. Ufologist Jacques Vallée and Chris Orbeck have voiced the opinion that they believe it to be a hoax. Their basis for this conclusion is the fact that Tully had copied the document during a single viewing of the original papyrus using an ancient Egyptian shorthand, and Rachelwitz had never seen the original that the copy was made from, which could mean that the transcription could possibly contain errors. The document has two notable translations of the ancient Egyptian text, one by Boris de Rachelwitz and the other by anthropologist R. Cedric Leonard. What follows is the translation by Boris de Rachelwitz. In the year 22, third month of winter, sixth hour of the day, the scribes at the House of Life found it was a circle of fire that was coming in the sky. It had no head. The breadth of its mouth a foul odour. Its body one rod long and one rod large. It had no voice. They hearts became confused through it. Then they laid themselves on the bellies. They went to the king to report it. His majesty ordered has been examined as to all which is written in the papyrus rolls of the House of Life. His Majesty was meditating upon what happened. Now, after some days had passed over these things, lo, they were more numerous than anything. They were shining in the sky more than the sun to the limits of the four supports of the heaven. Powerful was the position of the fire circles. The army of the king looked on, and his majesty was in the midst of it. It was after supper, thereupon, they went up higher, directed to south. Fishes and volatiles fell down from the sky. A marvel never occurred since the foundation of this land. Caused his majesty to be brought incense to pacify the hearth. What happened in the book of the house of life to be remembered for the eternity. The second translation by R. Cedric Leonard provides a more comprehensible rendition and is as follows. In the year 22 of the third month of winter, sixth hour of the day, among the scribes of the House of Life, it was found that a strange fiery disc was coming in the sky. It had no head. The breadth of its mouth emitted a foul odour. Its body was one rod in length and one rod in width. It had no voice. It came towards His Majesty's house. Their heart became confused through it, and they fell upon their bellies. They went to the king to report it. His Majesty ordered that the scrolls located in the House of Life be consulted. His Majesty meditated on all these events which were now going on. After several days had passed, they became more numerous in the sky than ever. They shined in the sky more than the brightness of the sun and extended to the limits of the four supports of heaven. 
powerful was the position of the fiery discs. The army of the king looked on, with his majesty in their midst. It was after the evening meal when the discs ascended even higher into the sky and to the south. Fish and other volatiles rained down from the sky, a marvel never before known since the foundation of the country, and his majesty caused incense to be brought to appease the hearts of Amun-Ri, the god of the two lands, and it was ordered that the event be recorded for his majesty in the annals of the House of Life to be remembered forever. The Tully Papyrus has continued to ruffle feathers throughout the UFO community with people like Eric von Daniken, who includes the Tully Papyrus in his theories of ancient visitations by extraterrestrials, to the 1968 Condon Report, where Samuel Rosenberg stated that it was likely that Tully was taken in and that the Papyrus is a fake. Although if the Papyrus is a genuine reproduction of an ancient text, it is unlikely that the ancient Egyptians would have been confused or mistakenly misidentified the fiery disks with astronomical or weather phenomena, as they were pioneers and extremely advanced in their scientific field. Turkey, 74 BCE It was in 74 BCE when two opposing armies in Turkey, the Roman army and the forces of King Mithridates VI, were interrupted in the throes of conflict by the appearance of an unexplained object. The events of this sighting were related by the Roman historian Plutarch, who described the incidents in his text Lucilius as follows. But presently, as they were on the point of joining battle, with no apparent change of weather, but all on a sudden the sky burst asunder, and a huge flame-like body was seen to fall between the two armies. In shape, it was most like a wine jar, and in colour like molten silver. Both sides were astonished at the sight, and separated. This marvel, as they say, occurred in Phrygia, at a place called Otrey. Plutarch claimed that this sighting was witnessed by thousands in 74 BC, in the area of which is now modern-day Turkey. Richard Stuthers, permanent member of the NASA Goddard Institute for Space Studies, studied this historical case and had the following points to make regarding its authenticity as a true UFO encounter. He made the point that freshly fallen meteorites are black, not molten silver. The meteorite theory has long been an explanation for the event. It was also worth pointing out that Plutarch also made no mention of the impact. Stuthers wrote in his study that the object must have measured much more than a metre across since it was easily resolved at a distance greater than half the range of a bow shot. If it had remained on the ground, a meteorite of such size would doubtless would have become a cult object in Phrygia with its long tradition of meteorite worship. Yet later historical records referring to Phrygian meteorites are silent about it.
Judea, 65 CE. On the 21st of the month, Artemisimum, historian Josephus wrote of an extraordinary event that took place. He stated as follows, There appeared a miraculous phenomenon, passing belief. Indeed, what I am about to relate would, I imagine, have been deemed a fable, were it not for the narratives of eyewitnesses and the subsequent calamities which deserve to be so signalised. For, before sunset throughout all parts of the country, chariots were seen in the air, and armed battalions hurtling towards the clouds and encompassing the cities. Richard Stuthers, when reviewing this case for NASA, opined that Josephus had likely witnessed these events unfolding himself, as well as backing up his claims with the mentioning of other numerous witnesses. Stuthers also stated that the phenomenon does not seem to have been an aurora, cloud patterns or meteors, but does resemble the aerial fighting of modern UFOs. Nuremberg, 1561 CE. Perhaps one of the most famous historically recorded encounters with these strange aerial objects is that of the Nuremberg incident. In April of 1561, a newspaper article was written and published in the Nuremberg Gazette. It appeared to describe a mass sighting of many UFOs. This article was illustrated with a woodcut measuring 26.2 centimetres by 38 centimetres, which was created by Hans Glaser. Although he was an early form of journalist, he had produced many depictions and written accounts of events, but none would prove to be as memorable as the sightings over Nuremberg depicted by his woodcut and written text. The article described what Hans and many other Nuremberg residents witnessed on that day and could be best described as an aerial battle which was preceded by the appearance of a large black triangular object, spheres, cylinders, crosses, two lunar crescents, tubular shapes and a black spear-like object. Many eyewitnesses observed a large amount of the shapes come down and crash outside of the city. What follows is a translation of the Gazette account. In the morning of April 14th, 1561, at daybreak, between 4 and 5 a.m., a dreadful apparition occurred on the sun, and then this was seen in Nuremberg, in the city, before the gates and in the country, by many men and women. At first there appeared in the middle of the sun two blood-red semicircular arcs, just like the moon in its last quarter, and in the sun, above and below on both sides, the colour was blood. There stood a round ball of partly dull, partly black, ferrous colour. Likewise there stood, on both sides, and as a torus about the sun, such blood-red ones and other balls in large number, about three in a line and four in a square, also some alone, in between these globes, there were visible a few blood-red crosses. Between each, there were blood-red stripes, becoming thicker to the rear, and in the front, marable, 
like the rods of reed grass, which were intermingled among them two big rods, one on the right and the other on the left, and within the small and big rods there were three, also four or more globes. These all started to fight amongst themselves, so that the globes which were first in the sun flew out to the ones standing on both sides. Thereafter, the globes standing outside the sun in the small and large rocks flew into the sun. Besides, the globes flew back and forth among themselves and fought vehemently with each other for over an hour. And then the conflict in and again out of the sun was most intense. They became fatigued to such an extent that they all, as said above, fell from the sun down upon the earth as if they all burned and then wasted away on the earth with immense smoke. After all this, there was something like a black spear, very long and thick-sighted. The shaft pointed to the east, the point pointed west. Whatever such signs mean, God alone knows, although we have seen shortly, one after another, many kinds of signs on the heaven, which are sent to us by the Almighty God to bring us to repentance we still are unfortunately so ungrateful that we despise such high signs and miracles of God, or we speak of them with ridicule and discard them to the wind, in order that God may send us a frightening punishment on account of our ungratefulness. After all, the God-fearing will by no means discard these signs, but will take it to heart as a warning of their merciful Father in heaven, will mend their lives and faithfully beg God that he may avert his wrath, including the well-deserved punishment on us, so that we may temporarily here and perpetually there live as his children. For it may be God grant us help. Amen. As fantastical as this account sounds, it is equalled by the fact that this was not the only time such a spectacle had been observed. It appears that five years after the Nuremberg event, a remarkably similar event took place over the city of Basel in Switzerland. Basel, 1655 CE The 7th of August 1566 was to be the day that the series of mass sightings over Basel was to come to a head, as a pamphlet of that year describes the unusual events. According to the witness Samuel Cocius, on the 27th to the 28th of July and the 7th of August 1566, many local people witnessed seeing three celestial events. The first of these were described as an unusual sunrise the second a total eclipse of the moon with a red sun rising, and a third like a cloud of black spheres in front of the sun. It was said that the objects were seen to have fought together as many red and black spheres in the sky just before sunrise. The pamphlet reads as follows. It happened in 1566 three times, on the 27th, 28th of July, and on August 7th. Against the sunrise and sunset, we saw strange shapes in the sky over Basel. 
During the year 1566, on the 27th of July, after the sun had shone warm on the clear, bright skies, and then around 9pm, it suddenly took a different shape and colour. First, the sun lost all its radiance and luster, and it was no bigger than the full moon. And finally, it seemed to weep tears of blood, and the air behind him went dark, and he was seen by all the people of the city and countryside. In much the same way also the moon, which has already been almost full and has shone through the night, assuming an almost blood-red colour in the sky. The next day, Sunday, the sun rose at about six o'clock and slept with the same appearance it had when it was lying before. He lit the houses, streets and around as if everything was blood-red and fiery. At the dawn of August the 7th, we saw large black spheres coming and going with great speed and precipitation before the sun and chattered as if they led a fight. Many of them were fiery red and soon crumbled and then extinguished. Did these two medieval cities witness a natural phenomenon? act of God or miracle, or perhaps they bore witness to an interstellar war between alien races. Unfortunately, these questions will remain unanswered. Fatima, Portugal, 1917 CE. And finally, the famous miracle of Fatima in Portugal. These strange events started in May 1917 with three shepherd children, Lucia de Santos and her cousins, Francisco and Jacinta Mato, when they observed the strange occurrences at the Cova de Ira. The children had taken cover in a cove as the sky was becoming darker and they observed a flash that they thought could have been lightning. The children reported apparitions of the Virgin Mary whom they described as the lady more brilliant than the sun. The children also reported a prophecy that stated that prayer would lead them to an end to the Great War. Another prophecy that was dictated by the apparition was that on the 13th of October that year, the figure would reveal her identity and perform a miracle so that all may believe. The oldest girl, was the only one to speak to this figure, and after the revelation that she would reappear on the 13th day of the next six months, the apparition vanished. The children soon told their parents, which led to various media outlets being informed, and the news-hungry press soon descended on the family. Newspapers had immediately began to report on the prophecies, and the site saw many a pilgrim's visit the accounts recited by the children were not considered as gospel by everyone and were considered very controversial and therefore drew criticism from both local, secular and religious authorities. As time passed, more and more the pilgrims made their journey to Fatima. The apparition had told the children that they should return to the site on the 13th of June. Unsure of what to do, Lucia's mother had a consultation with the Paris priest, Father Ferreira. 
the priest suggested that the children should be allowed to go and speak with the vision of Mary, and he also said that Lucia should be brought to him immediately after, so that he could question her regarding the prophecies. The children once again visited the site where the visitation of the Virgin Mary supposedly told them that Francesco and Jacinta would be taken to heaven soon, but Lucia would live longer in order to spread her message and devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The figure instructed the children to say the Holy Rosary daily in honour of Our Lady of the Rosary, to obtain peace and the end of the Great War. The apparition also apparently revealed to the children a vision of hell, and entrusted them with a great secret which she described as good for some and bad for others. Lucia later stated that Mary told her, I want you to come back on the 13th and to learn to read in order to understand what I want of you. I don't want more. As the newspapers continued to keep the public informed of the unfolding story, thousands of people flocked to Fatima and nearby Aljustrel. On the 13th of August 1917, the provincial administrator Artur Santos took the children into custody as it was believed that the prophecies were politically motivated in opposition to the officially secular First Portuguese Republic. He jailed the children deliberately on that day as they would not reach the Cova de Ira. Santos interrogated and threatened the children to get them to tell him the secrets that had been gifted to them. Lucia told provincial administrator Santos everything but the secrets, but did offer to ask the Virgin Mary for permission to tell the official the secrets. Due to the intervention of Artur Santos, the children did not make their allotted appointment time with the deity but instead they saw the Virgin Mary on the 19th of August at Valinos. The vision once again asked them to pray the rosary daily and spoke of a miracle coming in October. Invariably, the newspapers had printed the story of the Virgin Mary's promised miracles on the 13th of October, and a massive crowd of people gathered. It was to be Mary's final appearance, and an estimated 30,000 to 100,000 people were believed to be in attendance at Cova de Ira. Many accounts were given as to what actually happened next. As stated at the beginning of the episode, accounts and history are always flavoured by personal opinion and the stranger and more incomprehensible those events are, the more likely that personal touches are added. This is not always deliberate, as the human brain needs something to latch onto when trying to understand the impossible, and pulls on its own resources to fill in the blanks. The children watched as the figure appeared, this time lifting her hands into the sky. The Virgin Mary then appeared as part of a panorama of visions that occurred during the event. These consisted of images of Jesus, Our Lady of Sorrows, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and Saint Joseph blessing the people. Other witnesses at the time reported seeing what they described as a miracle created by Mary, Mother of God. Other accounts stated that after a period of rain, the ominous dark clouds parted 
and everyone gazed up at what they described as a silvery disc emerging from behind them. The shape was very sun-like, but significantly duller than normal. The sun disc appeared as an opaque spinning disc in the sky. The shape then began to cast multicoloured lights across the landscape, and these rays of light began hitting the onlookers and the surrounding clouds. Witnesses had also reported that due to the downpour that had occurred, their previously wet clothes had become suddenly and completely dry, as well as the wet and muddy ground that had been previously soaked because of the rain that had been falling. A newspaper article at the time stated the following, One could see the immense march to turn to be the sun, which appeared free from clouds, and at its peak it looked like a plaque of dull silver, and it was possible to look at without discomfort. It might have been an eclipse which was taking place, but at that moment a great shout went up, as one could hear the spectators shouting, A miracle! A miracle! The sun disk then was reported to have come crashing towards the earth before zigzagging back to his normal position. When asked, many eyewitnesses at the time claimed to have seen the dancing of the sun and its whirling around itself like a giant Catherine wheel action, whereas others stated that they had seen the face of the Virgin Mary, others only saw the brilliant colours, and some saw nothing at all. A few theories have been put forward to try and explain the mystery. These include psychological suggestibility of the witnesses, temporary retinal distortion caused by staring at the intense light of the sun, and optical effects caused by natural meteorological phenomena. Only a few photographs were taken at the time, and these depict the image of the sun taken during the evening. But unfortunately, due to the static nature of the photographs, it does not show anything unusual. Although I wonder, seeing that the disc image is quite clear in the photograph, wouldn't the intense light from the sunlight blast the film or at least cause some kind of blurring in the image? The Fatima case at least has some articles and photography from different sources that we can look at and build a slightly better picture of the events. Were the children visited by the Virgin Mary, or as suggested in some theories, an alien deity who revealed their craft on the final day? The children could simply have filled in the blanks of their knowledge with peoples and places from the biblical stories in order to explain away the strange things that were unfolding before them. One thing is certain, whatever time and whatever culture, the human race has always drawn, written and spoke of things from another world visiting us whether it be gods or aliens, and these stories are continuing to this very day. Links to our Facebook page and email address are in our bio, and feel free to get in touch and tell us how we are doing or even suggest future episodes that we can cover. Next week we will be looking at the mystery behind the sinking of the USS Scorpion. Thanks for listening.
My name is Richard Daniels. 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 And I am the archivist for the Occultaria of Albion. The Occultaria of Albion is a publication dedicated to exploring some of the strangest and most bizarre locations across the country where hauntings, curses, cryptids and more have all been reported. I am now custodian of its archive and am gradually exploring many of the lost files in order to re-release them. You can find the case files which are now available at occultariaofalbion.com The Occultaria of Albion can also be found on YouTube and as a podcast. Go deeper and join the fan club for exclusive content. Go to patreon.com forward slash occultaria. Remain vigilant and remember, the wolves of weird are loose.